the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. God puts his law in our hearts. There's an inner knowledge of right and wrong now. There's an inner compelling of what God expects. So the Old Covenant, it was all about man keeping the law. The New Covenant now is all about what God does. The Old Covenant was dependent upon man doing his part. But now God is putting it inside of man. He's putting his law in man's mind. He's putting his law into man's heart. Some people get a little confused when talking about the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. You may think if God is perfect, then why wasn't his first covenant with Israel perfect? Pastor Dan explains to us today why the Old Covenant failed and why it was necessary for God to make a new one. No matter how highly you think of yourself, you're not perfect and never will be. And that was the problem with the Old Covenant. Humans, be conscious of your weaknesses because that's where God will shine. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 31 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. going to be in Jeremiah chapter 31. We're also going to look at Hebrews chapter 8 and Romans chapter 11. If you want to mark those two locations in your Bible so you can find them quickly when we turn to them, Jeremiah 31. The passage in Jeremiah 31, just as you're turning there, this this is one of those really kind of key passages you find in the Bible. A very important passage for us about the new covenant in Jesus Christ. So, Well, remember, this section of the book of Jeremiah is uh, sometimes referred to as the book of consolation or the book of comfort. Most of Jeremiah talks a lot about judgment. It's, It's warning of judgment to come. But then we come to chapters 30 to 33, and Jeremiah kind of takes a break from the judgment, and he begins to speak about uh, the future promise and the future hope for the people of Israel. In our study of chapter 31, we made it through verse 30, so we stopped after verse 30. We'll pick up with verse 31. And just as a reminder, chapter 31 is describing events of the last days, uh, specifically the restoration of Israel to their own land and the restoration of Israel's relationship with God. So the restoration of Israel back to their own promised land and the restoration of their relationship with God. And again, the context is the last days. These are events that are going to take place 
at the end of human history as we know it before Jesus Christ comes back. And we mentioned last time that the nation of Israel has been reborn again in our time, 1948. Israel became a nation. The Jewish people are returning back to their homeland just as it's predicted in the Old Testament here in Jeremiah, for example. After not existing as a nation for almost 2,000 years, Israel is a nation again. This prophecy is being fulfilled in our day and our time. Uh, And again, the Old Testament says that's last days. Uh, So that tells us that we're living in the last days of human history. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus described the events that will take place on the earth and in the world in the last days before his second coming. And in Luke 21, Jesus said, now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. He did not say after all these things have already happened. He said when they begin to happen, you should start to look up. Because your redemption draws near. And and they have begun to happen. So we should be looking up. and Looking for the return of Christ for His bride, the church. Now we pick it up in verse 31 of chapter 31. And we have the promise here in this passage of a new covenant. That God will make with the people of Israel in the last days. Verse 31 says, Behold, the days are coming says the Lord. Again, that's, that's our phrase that is tied to the last days. The days are coming. So he's talking about the future. He's looking ahead to the last days. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, this is the only time the phrase new covenant is mentioned in the Old Testament. The new covenant is described in several places in the Old Testament, but it's only mentioned here by name as the new covenant. And the Lord says again, behold, the days are coming. And so he's talking about something that will take place in the future after the time of Jeremiah. And notice he's going to make a new covenant with both Israel and Judah, the whole nation of Israel, all of the Jewish people. And remember the the time. Jeremiah is living in the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel was carried away to Assyria. uh, And it hasn't existed. The northern kingdom hasn't existed for about 136 years. As Jeremiah writes this. So the ten northern tribes are already gone. They've been gone for over 100 years. And yet here now God is talking about a day. When the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom are brought back into the land as one nation again in this covenant, this new covenant that he will make with all the Jewish people, with the whole nation of Israel. Of course, in the New Testament, at the Last Supper, Jesus instituted this new covenant that Jeremiah mentions here in verse 31. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And the disciples would have thought of Jeremiah 31 when he said that. Jesus established the new covenant by his death on the cross. And as the Lord says here, this new covenant, it will be different from the old covenant that God made with Israel at Mount Sinai 
what is called the Mosaic Covenant or the Mosaic Law, the Law of Moses. That's the Old Covenant. This New Covenant is going to be different from the Old Covenant. He says in verse 32, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them, notice, by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Basically, verse 32, God says, He did everything He could for Israel to successfully keep the old covenant. He helped them. He took them by the hand. He led them out. He loved them like a husband loves his wife, or as a husband should love his wife. The problem was Israel rebelled. That was what happened with the first covenant. Israel rebelled. They were rebellious people. They broke the covenant, he says. The word broke that he uses here in verse 32, it means to break into bits or to shatter. It's not that the children of Israel were trying to keep the law, trying to keep the covenant, and they just fell short. Or that they just missed the mark. But the Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. It's not that they were trying and just fell short of the goal. They completely disregarded the covenant that God made with them. They knowingly broke it. They broke it into a thousand pieces. They just had no regard for it at all. So now he talks about this new covenant. He describes it for us. And this is, you know, the description uh, in the Old Testament of the new covenant. This is the the most detailed description of what the new covenant in Jesus Christ is. In his blood, what it will entail, what it will include, he says in verse 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now in the old covenant, the law was written on tables of stone, stone tablets. It was external. It was a set of of rules that you keep. With the new covenant now, God puts His law in our minds. God puts His law in our hearts. There's an inner knowledge of right and wrong now. There's an inner compelling of what God expects. And so the old covenant, it was all about Man keeping the law. The new covenant now is all about what God does. The old covenant was dependent upon man doing his part. But now God is putting it inside of man. He's putting his law in man's mind. He's putting his law into man's heart. It's all what God does now. Notice the number of times God says, I will in these verses. Five times In these verses, he says, I will look at verse 31 again. I will make a new covenant. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In verse 33, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 34. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, but every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their sins. Their sins I will remember 
no more. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. So in the New Covenant, in contrast to the Old Covenant, the New Covenant, God writes His law on our hearts. He puts His law upon our conscience. And also, the Spirit of God dwells in every believer. So now we have God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, dwelling in us, helping us, enabling us to keep the covenant. The old covenant was all external. Written on stone. Here's what you have to do. But now in the new covenant, God puts it in our heart. And that's not enough. He knows that's not enough just to put it in our heart and put it on our conscience and have this inner voice, this inner compelling to do God's will. Now, now he also is going to put his Holy Spirit inside of us. And the Holy Spirit now is going to be the thing that helps us and enables us to do this. He says there, I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And so this new covenant now is based on a personal, close relationship with God. This is something they didn't have before in the old covenant. You remember when uh, when Moses received the old covenant at Mount Sinai, God instructed Moses, have the people stay down there and you come up here by yourself. Don't let the people even touch the mountain lest they die. And remember, the people were so afraid of God at Mount Sinai. They said to Moses, you go up and talk to God for us and you come down and tell us what he said. They wanted to keep their distance from God. There was a there there was a fear there. But now with the new covenant, there's a close personal relationship with God uh, where God is, is our God and we are his people. There's a relationship there. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. It's no longer necessary to instruct people under the new covenant. You will not need to instruct people to know God. He says, For they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. He says, they all shall, shall know me. Again, it's a personal relationship with God. On this past Sunday morning, we were in John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ that he prayed on the night of his arrest. Do you remember in John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I, I mentioned that word Know there when he says that they may know you. It's the Greek word gnosko, and it means to know through experience, through experiential knowledge. It's eternal life comes through having a personal knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. 
It's, it's not about what you know about God. Or what you know the Bible says about God. It's not about believing in God. Remember James said that the demons believe in God. And they tremble. To have eternal life, Jesus said, there has to be this personal knowledge, this personal experience with God, you know, where you are born again of the Spirit. I also mentioned that that word know, it's in the present tense, meaning it's talking about an ongoing experience with God. An ongoing relationship with Him. It's not something, I had this experience with Jesus, I had this experience with God at youth camp when I was 13, and, and that was it. No, there's an ongoing daily relationship, an ongoing daily walk with Him, a daily experience with God. Look at the end of verse 34. The Lord says, And I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Now, under the Old Covenant, the sacrifices for sins covered a person's sin. In fact, the word, uh, the Hebrew word atonement, kofar, it, it means to cover. The Jewish people around the world celebrated Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Literally, the Day of Covering. It's the day when their sins are covered. Under the Old Covenant, the Day of Atonement was the one day of the year that the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies in the temple where the glory of God dwelt, the presence of God dwelt above the mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant. And on that one day of the year in the Old Covenant, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies and he would apply the blood of a sacrifice on the mercy seat. And he would cover the mercy seat to atone for the sins of the people. The Day of Atonement. And in that, if you, if you can picture the Ark of the Covenant in your mind, it's, it's a gold box, it's a small gold box. Uh, and inside the Ark of the Covenant, there were the tablets from uh, Moses, the commandments, which they broke all of them. There was Aaron's rod, uh, which the people rebelled against Aaron's authority. There was a jar of manna, which the people bellyached about and complained. So inside the ark were symbols, the things that were in there symbolized the rebellion of the people. You've got the the Ten Commandments, you've got the rod, you've got the manna. Those are all things that symbolize the sin and the rebellion of the people And then on top of that, you've got the lid. And then on top of that, the high priest would put the blood of the sacrifice so that God looking from heaven, looking down, he would see the blood that covers their sin. The day of atonement. But it just covered their sin. Now, imagine imagine if you had all of our sins all in a big pile right here on the stage, right? They're just in a big pile here. And I take a blanket and I throw the blanket over them. I've covered them, right? But now there's this big mound there with just a blanket over. My sins are covered, but my sins are still there. You can still tell that my sins are there. They're not gone. They're just covered, but they're still there. That's the old covenant. In the new covenant, Jesus takes away our sins. Where it's not, I'm just covering them up so that you don't see them, so that I can still have fellowship with God, but my sins are still there, they're just covered, but I can continue 
and fellowship, now in the new covenant, they're gone. They're taken away. They're removed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember when John the Baptist sees Jesus and he points to him and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's new covenant. Now the new covenant, when John says that, the new covenant had not been established yet. They were still under the old covenant where your sins at best could just be covered up so that you could continue to have fellowship with God. But the sins are still there. They're just under a blanket, so to speak. They're just covered. Jesus comes, he establishes the new covenant in his blood, and his blood takes away our sins. When he shed his blood on the cross, it takes away our sins completely. On the day of atonement, in the old covenant, high priest, he goes in, he covers the sins of the people from the previous year. But the moment you sin again, you need additional atonement. Right? So yesterday was the Day of Atonement for the Jewish people. Talk about that more in a minute. So they can't really atone for their sins now because there's no temple, there's no priesthood, there's no sacrifice. But if they could, their sins are atoned for from yesterday until they sin again. How long did that take for them before they sinned again? Now you need an atonement again. You need them covered again. Now, turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 8. I want to show you something here. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, he he quotes this passage from Jeremiah 31. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. This is talking about the ministry of Jesus under the new covenant, where Jesus is now our great high priest. Verse 6, it says, But now He, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry, and as much as He is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. In the new covenant, God forgives our sins, all of our sins. He doesn't just cover them, He forgives them. And He forgets them. He remembers our sins no more. We saw in the new covenant in Jeremiah 31. So he forgives all of our sins, all of our past sins, all of our present sins, all of our future sins once and for all. And he remembers them no more. The blood of Jesus Christ not only provides forgiveness of our sins, but God chooses to forget our sins. It's a better covenant made on better promises, just as it says here in Hebrews. Now, we remember our sins. We remember the things we've done that we regret and that we feel shame over and wish that we didn't do. But God chooses not to remember our sins. He forgives and he forgets. Just listen to a few verses for me, just staying here in Hebrews, but listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. In Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. All of our sins, all of the transgressions, 
all of the things that we've done wrong. He asked me how I know, and I say, brings truer than the finest crystal. The book of Jeremiah entails many prophecies given to the people of Israel, but they weren't just commands of judgment and consequence. Within these pages, Jeremiah gives insight into the coming promises that Jesus would offer by coming and fulfilling a new covenant of redemption for all people. What's interesting is that Jeremiah poured his heart and soul out as he wrote this book. It wasn't just a dry dissertation of what people should do or what should come about. Jeremiah was a living and breathing person during the time of siege and exile, and he felt deeply for the people and nation he was a part of. His empathy for his kinsmen should resonate with you as you're part of a larger group of people in a nation and ultimately part of God's family. Is there a stirring within you to see those who are lost come to have a saving knowledge of Christ? If so, you might be able to relate to Jeremiah more than you thought. If you're enjoying this series through the book of Jeremiah and would like to hear more teachings, we encourage you to visit our website at calvaryec.com. In addition to listening to these teachings, you can access more information about the church behind this ministry. Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. As a church, our heart is geared towards spreading the gospel message to all we come in contact with. And we welcome anyone to worship with us at our location in Columbia, Maryland. For service times and location, check out calvaryec.com. Thanks for joining us today. Next time, we'll continue looking at the book of Jeremiah here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know His voice and it only takes Rings true.